0: going to be in John chapter 5 this morning. We've been in, we're going through the gospel of John. Um, as, you're, as you're turning there or flipping there or scrolling there, um, as I watched the video this morning during the first service, I told Eric and Hannah I saw it from um, this side over here, so the, so the drum shield blocked my view. And I didn't realize the guy that was speaking in their native language, uh, in his native language, there was a translation below it. Um, so it just in my mind as I saw those planes landing, I thought that he was really just basically saying to where we couldn't understand it, dear God, I'll never get on a plane with that man again. Um, it's nighttime, he's landed me in the woods, and I found a TV camera. Um, but again, that's, that's my American brain uh, trying to translate into other languages. Um, we're we're going to jump into Scripture this morning. We've been in this uh, study of the Gospel of John, and I really hope it's connecting well with you. I'm really excited about what God's speaking to us out of this. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, we were approaching this section and actually stepped around it to, to finish some of the thought that I, I really believe God was communicating very clearly to us. Uh, we looked last week at, um, at, at a couple more of the, the, the signs, the miracles um, that we've been seeing about in the book of John. And I told Eric yesterday we were talking. And, and I know as they're in church with, with friends and with family, it's just great days of celebration. And I told him, I said, I apologize ahead of time. I'm going to talk about what happens when you die today. So um, being an airline pilot and flying pigs around, I don't know if that's exactly the encouragement you want for a Sunday. But we're going to dig into it and we're going to find the joy in it. Um, and today we are, we are going to talk about that um, for a few reasons. One, um, most importantly, I believe that God is, is taking us through this book of John. Um, I believe that it's important that we as believers are informed about what happens to us um, when our life ends here on earth. Um, So as we even communicate to our kids or for others that are um, needing some spiritual guidance that we're accurate, because when they hear the accurate truth of God's word, then they can anchor into that hope. If they they hear something that's not accurate, that's just a good thought, um, it may comfort for a minute, but it may not sustain them through their journey um, when they really struggle with that. Um, But also, every time, every time death is written about in the Bible, we see the theme of hope shining through. That's not often necessarily what shines through in all the moments of our life when we face it or we think about it, but it is the call of Scripture. So as we look at this today, um, you'll get some ideas of what you can functionally do with this, but you can also hopefully get some ideas of how our perspective can radically, radically change based on the full truth of who Jesus is. Um, so we're going to step out of a little bit of what we've been in the last couple of weeks, some of, these, um, some of these signs that Jesus has been doing, this, this tangible stuff in front of us, and now he's going to talk about something that we're going to have to hope for um, and, and wait on. So we're going to be in the chapter 5 in this book of John, and Jesus uh, starts out this way. He says, Truly I tell you, Anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, from a perspective of sign and miracle, um, we've been really in this language in the book of John. Please understand something about yourself. Um, we, we're talking about this miraculous stuff that Jesus did. And we're, we're talking about it this way. Every sign, every miracle was always meant to be a tangible example, something we could sink our teeth into that points to a bigger spiritual understanding. So when we see Jesus do something amazing, uh, when he changed water into wine, we know that he can, he can have that kind of miraculous, whole quality change in our lives in every area that he touches and he jumps into So we're we're learning something from all those. But, But please don't miss this. When we're talking miracle spiritually and what Jesus can do ultimately, we're talking death to life. If you know that you're saved, you know that your heart belongs to Jesus, that you know that he is Lord, he is Savior, you're solid in your relationship with him, you are a functional miracle because you've gone from death to life. If you, if you don't believe me that it's a miracle, go home, take whatever plant is around your house and just kill it. Pour some poison, do, do whatever you want to do with it, and kill it dead. And then just sit there until it comes back to life. It's not going to happen. You can go hang out in a cemetery. People will think you're creepy. You don't, have a lot of, you don't have a lot of change in that environment. People that go in stay there and stay in the condition that they're in. But as, as spiritually speaking, what Jesus does in our life takes us from death to life. Jesus says that He has this power, and notice this: when He's talking about death to life, He's bringing up this idea of eternal life. If you know that you're saved, if you're saved, your eternal life has already begun. As a believer in Jesus, there's not going to be a point in your life to where you just go into limbo, like there just is a big question mark hanging over. Where are you and who are you? You have an identity and a place. In Christ forever, it doesn't stop. Like the, if you come and you get the worst news this week that you have a terminal, a fatal illness, that doesn't change the fact that as a believer in Jesus, you always have a place. Doesn't mean that you won't feel disconnected. You won't. It doesn't mean that you won't worry at times. It means that it is there, and if it is there, that means that we can choose and we can be helped by God to step out of some of that work and into the security of what that truth is. So this is the picture that Jesus paints. Now, specifically, he, he, he lets us know some things here. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming, and is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear him will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. So when Jesus talks about how he wants to give you life, it's to the quality, the longevity, the the, the substance of the very life of God. It's the life that he has in him to give to other people. Now, he's speaking here spiritually about really the truth of who he is, but he specifically identifies himself two ways, the Son of God and the Son of Man. See, in Jesus, God has not just given a job, a responsibility, a task. He's also given Jesus authority. Jesus, because he's God, he can teach a lesson, and he can call lust, lust for what it is. He can call lying, lying for what it is. And he can do all these things with truth, because he is God. He can't lie. But he also was given authority by God. And the authority he's been given is to to sit in, in this idea of this place of judgment. Because whether we're saved or whether we're lost, ultimately based on the truth of God's word, everyone will stand in front of God in eternity and hear, based on what their life has been, where they will spend eternity. And if if God just said, because I'm holy, because I'm perfect, you got to show up on your court date and you got to deal with me, as humans, we would have maybe the gumption to say, God, you don't understand what it was like back there. Like, it was rough. It was difficult. You made these people. You know how bad they were. And I had to deal with half of them. But see, here's here's the crazy thing. I mean, really think through this for a minute. God didn't just say, okay, I have the right to judge you. But he sent himself and Jesus to live this life. To go through everything that we've gone through. Every time somebody aggravates you, he gets it. Every time somebody breaks your heart, he knows. Every time you feel rejected. He he said, I came to my own people. And they didn't accept me. He knows what all those things are like. So when we step into eternity, God's love is so great and His truth is so pure, He's actually going to leave us without excuse. We won't even have the excuse of, God, you don't understand. Because Jesus does. That's perfect judgment. It says this, and He has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, because the time is coming when all who hear in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. Now I want to clarify a couple of things, because it, the, the Bible, please hear me on this, the Bible can be dangerous. Um, if you just reach in and grab like five or six words and just pull them out and then go try to use them, that can get dangerous. We've got to always look at what the full meaning of, of the Bible is, the full meaning of Scripture is. And i tell you this to say this. In this passage, it says that it's talking about good things and evil things. The gospel is very clear. You or I are not saved by Jesus because our best effort. Like, we don't get to know God because we try hard. It is because Jesus' love is so great that our belief in Him and our trust in Him giving our lives over to Him. In other words, He has the, the, the authority, the right, the control, and our, and our will says that, and we believe in Him. That is by grace. It's free. It doesn't cost anything, but it's not something that I can manufacture. That's salvation. That's how we get to heaven or, or, or not. But notice this. In John chapter 15, we're not there yet, but Jesus identifies himself as the vine. And we are the branches. Now, a branch produces good fruit or bad fruit based on what it's connected to because that's what it's drawing resources from. So when it says good and wicked here, consider it this way because this is really the heart, the truth of Scripture. If we're saved, there will be evidence... It might be internal, it might be external, it may be from the seven minutes that we're saved in this world, or it may be that we live seven years, 70 years with Jesus. But there will be evidence, and, it's, and, and you're in kind of court terms here, so it's the evidence that you look at. We're not trying to prove our salvation to God. He knows that we belong to Him. But it's the stuff of life that we're there at this moment to talk through and to have it weighed in the balance on. Not that the balance is in question, but it will be addressed. Now, it also says this, that, that all those will come alive, will come out of the grave at the sound of his voice. In John 11, one of Jesus' really good friends, Lazarus, dies. Jesus goes through the grief process during this time. So he knows that, that feeling of loss, that feeling of death. But Jesus also said to his family, he says, this is not going to end just with his funeral. This all is happening so that you'll know who the Son of God is as the living the Son of Man. So he yells out Lazarus' name and tells him to come out of the grave. Lazarus is wrapped up. He, he, they, they would bind people up with cloth. So when he came out, he didn't come out like with a cool strut. He kind of came out with a little hop wiggle, right? I mean, that's, that's how he would have come out until they cut him loose. But the fact that he came out all had to do with one thing, the voice of Jesus. He had the authority and the power to call him by name for him to come out. Now you may have heard it said, maybe even a little bit jokingly in sermons in your lifetime, that he had to say Lazarus's name or everybody was going to come out of the grave. Based on what Jesus says right here, there's truth in that. He had to get very specific. I mean, because imagine it, now, Jesus couldn't sin, but let's just say forgetfulness wasn't a, is, is not a sin, and just for a moment, he's like, come out. Whoa, 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 everybody's, lay down, lay down, lay down, sorry, sorry, I slipped for a second. Lazarus, come out, because what would have happened would have been disturbing, because it wouldn't have been just at Lazarus' grave. The voice of God, the truth of God surrounds this earth. So if he had a spoke there, it have happened everywhere. Just as in the second coming, when He speaks, when He calls, it happens everywhere. Now, we know the power that Jesus has, but what really happens to us in this time, in the time that we talk about change? I want to go over to um, I want to go over to Second Corinthians chapter five and read you a passage here. Paul, at this point in time, was feeling age. He was feeling. Um, the tougher seasons of life, and, and and this is God's inspired word. So we 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 read and we we see the evidence of truth in this. So I want you to really listen to what this says. For we know that in our earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an external dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. Since when we have taken it off. We will not be found naked. Indeed we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that immortality I'm sorry, that so, so mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. Now, Paul's using some symbolism, but but he's he started a conversation with us, and he's telling us basically three things that he prefers in order. We just read about the first. The first is this. Paul, in, in, in feeling life, and feeling the hard times, physically getting older, um, as, he, as, as he was beaten, sometimes miraculously God would restore his health, and he would look dead, and he would walk away. But that didn't happen every time. Just like in our own experiences in life, sometimes we see God having done something in an instant, and sometimes it seems that that it just doesn't happen. But even as we sing in worship, He's always working, and through this working of God, even in through these difficult times, Paul starts thinking about what is it going to mean to not live this thing of life anymore. And he tells us, "Here's my first priority." He knows that Jesus ultimately is going to come back, so he's like, "You know what." I don't know that I want to go through this idea, this dark time, this scary time of death. I would rather, Jesus, if you're, if you're good with it, I would rather just go from this life straight into eternity. Because he's basically saying this, I know that this body's failing, but the one I'm going to have in eternity will never fail. So he said, I would love it. First choice, go from this world straight into eternity, have that change happen all at once, and never Fear, disconnection. Because Paul's still, even though he's thinking of heaven, he's still thinking in earthly terms of fear. He said, that's my first choice. But he also throws something in here at the end that I want to make sure that you don't miss. He says that, um, that all of this, just this idea that we're going to go from this life to the next is something given to us by God. And it says that he gave the spirit as a down payment. You know what a down payment is, right? Um, if you've ever uh, bought a car, bought a house, and, and you dealt with down payments, you put a certain amount of money down, and, and you get that item, you move into that house, you drive the car, whatever it is, but you don't owe everything at that time. The final transaction isn't done yet. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit is like. This is helping us. Paul's help, trying to help us in our understanding. He's like, look, you still have eternal life. God's just given you a down payment of his, of his Spirit. You have that. You've you've begun the relationship, but it's not finished. This isn't the best that it gets. The final payment is going to be in eternity. And the final might not even be exactly what you think it is. Well, he tells him his second priority here. He, He lets us know what his second priority is. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, but not by sight. In fact, we are confident that we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He's like, you know what, look, if if, if I can't go from from this body to the perfect one, he he said, here's second choice. I realize that that until the second coming that that the dead are not going to rise. So if I die, I would rather be separated from this earthly body because separation from that and death, God brings our spirit into his presence in heaven. So Paul starts thinking about that. And he's like, you know what? Maybe that wouldn't be the thing that would ease my mind and my conscience and my worry the most. But but what would it be like if my spirit goes to heaven? He said, the difference, here I walk by faith. I believe it. I do it. But I I can't just be in its presence. But there, I see it. And I know it. We go from this life and the experiences to seeing the whole big picture of what God's doing. That's what happens when believers die in Christ and their spirit goes to heaven while their body physically remains here. He says, what's his his third choice? Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be... Repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or or whether evil. He says, third choice. If I I can't go from here and get that perfect body, bottom line, I just want to be with Jesus. I want to see the big picture. I want to be in his presence. But if neither one of those things happen, if, if the second coming doesn't happen, if my death doesn't happen, what's left? He says, I'm going to live for Jesus here. I'm going to keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep walking by faith. Because he says ultimately we're all going to show up there and we're going to talk deeds. Now, Paul's perspective is really unique. And I heard a pastor um, make a comment on Philippians 1 where Paul says, To live is Christ and to die is gain. I heard a pastor say something about that. His name's um, John Piper. Um, and I was listening to one of his audio sermons, and he said something that kind of, like at first, it kind of almost offended me. You, ever, you, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Like when you, you kind of almost um, hear something that offends you, but you're not really sure, so you kind of keep thinking about it. He, he said this. He said, um, if, if I remember it correctly, um, he said, you know, I, I believe that much of the reason that we don't live faithfully is that we don't appreciate eternity. And I thought, well, hang on a second. You know, so when I fall, does that mean I just don't appreciate God? But I really started thinking through this. And, and, and think with me for a second. If we hoped more and more and more in Jesus, how would it change what's really, really, really important to us? So like if the stuff of life is really the most important thing, like the pursuit of stuff, the things, if that was the most important thing, then am I likely to live really faithfully for God? Like, really be aware of all the opportunities that I can have for the kingdom? You know, I thought about Eric and Hannah and just their testimony through this. And if, if I want to pursue a comfortable Western culture, and that's the whole pursuit of my heart, I would never find myself in an Indonesia. And I don't say that just to applaud them, but... In times where I go spans of time and really just go eye to eye with people, conversation to conversation with people, and, and, and don't share Christ, even, even just share my testimony, my Jesus story, even, even near me, if I'm honest, I mean, it's really, it really comes back to this thing of I'm just really absorbed with the details of my life and what's going on with me and what I'm going through. So really and truly, hand in hand for us as believers needs to go this perspective of living here on earth with a greater appreciation of eternity, of, of heaven. In some seasons of life, that's tough because we're so absorbed by just what's happening in front of us. We just say we're not, just, we're not there yet. Like, there'll be a different season that I'll be thinking about what eternity's supposed to be like. But for Paul, it became regularly part of his thought process. It was part of his DNA. I want, to, I want to go back and read you one, one other thing um, from what God put in Paul's heart to write in Scripture. Um, this is in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, he's talking through a little bit of a mystery here, but, but he really kind of clarifies it through God's truth. In, in chapter 15, verse 50, it says this, When I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this flesh and blood... Um, is this flesh and blood... Uh, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptibility, I'm sorry, for this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? Um, The the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor is not in vain. So Paul says, one of two things is going to happen to us. Either we die in Christ as believers... Or we're here when Jesus comes back and he calls everybody up. It's, it's a twinkling of an eye. It's one-sixteenth of a blink. You can't divide that. Technically, one group goes first. But I think in the, in, in the speed of it all, we're going to lose a little bit of you know, who started the thing. But he tells us very clearly that there's a change. Which means this. There's, there's some type of connection that is going to continue that begins with the physical body that we've lived in And as it's changed, it's going to then be perfected and will ultimately be its intended purpose, which is the glory of God. See, God's goal is always his glory. So I want you to think about this for a second. Um, As our bodies change, I mean, you do realize that no matter what age you are, your body's not quite perfect. I realize it. I see some of your posts on social media. You think it is. None of us do. Okay, just FY. So, yesterday I'm at baseball practice. I would like in my mind to picture myself as, let's just use a big word, athletic. All right? So, I'd like to have that picture about myself. Uh, we're, we're, we're practicing, and, and I'm catching, um, one of the coaches is throwing, and a kid just takes a great cut with his bat, but it barely hits the top of the bat. And if you know baseball, when it barely hits the top of the bat, it's going what direction, everybody? backwards. I'm backwards. Specifically, this area was backwards. Most of the time, I would have been confident. Plenty of cushion. Except cushion doesn't help when you're talking about a baseball flying at you. I don't think it hit ab. I think it's all okay if it's still in there. But, but these bodies hurt. Like we bruise. We, we get up in the morning, we don't feel good. So we know the, we know the deterioration side. But I want you to think about something else for a second. You also know what desire and satisfaction mean. Even if you would argue you don't experience it a lot. You know what desire and satisfaction is in an intimate relationship between husband and wife. You know what desire and satisfaction is when it comes to a meal. I practice that every day. I like to meditate over what am I going to eat. I like to get excited about it. And I like to be satisfied once I start chewing we know what desire and satisfaction is like. We, we know these physical things. But in this change of physicality, what the Bible never tells us is that we, we don't lose our senses. We just know to the glory of God what actual, full, perfect satisfaction will feel like. And we'll find it in Him who is unchangeable. So the things that that, that don't rotate, hunger, tiredness, all that kind of stuff, frustration, the the things that seem to be on the cycle of life, we we don't have those anymore in perfect bodies because we realize to the glory of God what satisfaction, what what feeling good is. Like you, you and I, we know celebrations, no matter how hard certain seasons of life is, we know what in a moment really good news feels like. The fulfillment of that is just a consistency in that. But in Christ, in the presence of God, we know what a great conversation is like. We, we know the satisfaction of, of feeling more informed when we gain knowledge so that we can, our, our brain opens up and we can understand, we can decide something better. We are going to see and know everything because the life that God has in himself he gave to Jesus himself in the flesh and he is the one that gives us life he's not withholding anything from us in eternity and we know this stuff i mean think about it in death in death believers don't even get the best yet isn't that crazy I, I, was, I was sitting in um, the hospital room or the hospice room with Linda Stout and her family this week. Her daughter passed away That's we, we've been praying for for a while as a church family. And and she went into hospice. In fact, it went so fast, um, the oncologist apologized to the family because the oncologist said, I, I just didn't see it taking this quick of a turn. She, she got to hospice on Thursday about lunchtime and had passed away by Friday morning. And in those moments... The, the, the concern and the care. The conversation changed to what I've heard it changed to in hundreds of rooms like that. And even when they involve my family and, and, and my friends. Praise God, they're not going through what we've witnessed anymore. And they're not. The body remains here. The spirit, the soul is in the presence of God. And, and seeing the entire big picture, gaining that knowledge. But that's not even the end. That one day, that body that did fail would begin this change process and become perfect for all of eternity. Every little quirk about you completed, perfect for the glory of God. Even if it's just the aggravation of a physical disability, an ailment, something that just frustrates you. In eternity, what you see it become what God does will just give him attention and just be fully satisfied. It's unbelievable. So what do we do with this? Well, for us as believers, for us as believers, uh, we need to be accurate about what happens. Because when people accurately hear the truth of God, then it becomes dependable. They can anchor their hope in it. Um, as believers, we, we make a lot of really great statements. Um, and, and we don't mean anything bad by them. Because I think I make them. I know I, know I do, and, and maybe we're, we've all been guilty of this. We make certain statements because it, it really does help us feel better. Papa's fishing with all of his brothers in heaven. It's it's nice. It's it's not real accurate. So we want to be cautious that we 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 communicate the truth because we want to aim people at the truth of God's word. And the truth is that that as 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 joyful as they are, their joy is not even. Full yet, it's still gonna get better than that. We also, in our lives, as, as best we can, need to really think through what the future is. I don't I don't mean the next 20 years, because that's a that's a blip on the eternity timeline. We really need to try to learn more about this and really think through this. Because when when our when our mind is on Jesus and being in his presence it then radically changes the perspective of life and sometimes if you're like me you learn a little you learn chunks of that perspective when you go through difficult times because difficult times are still just a shadow of the joy of our eternity so in difficult times it's, it's, it's a learning curve it's a learning process, it's a learning opportunity But in some way, we really need to focus that joy on just, Jesus, I want you. I need you. I want to be with you. So that the way we look at conversations, it'll have more of a kingdom perspective. If my hope, my anchor is really in Jesus, then the conflict in my marriage, total different perspective. My ability to go talk to somebody that I've been at odds with, totally different perspective. Why? Why? Because I want them them in eternity with Jesus. I want the joy that we experience in reconciliation here to just be the launching pad of what we experience in heaven. I want to go through counseling in life. If I'm dealing with a hard time, I want to go through counseling. I want to see God do something in that so that I get a glimpse of all that is ahead. I want to invest in what I'm going to look at for the rest of eternity with my finances. And for all of us that are saved, I pray, I hope, what we hear from this is that we need to tell somebody that's lost who Jesus is. Because as real as that hope is, hell is just as real. Now, when I was young, man, I heard some, I heard some sermons on hell scared me to death. I was scared of hell. I heard them from faces that got so red, I thought their faces were on fire. I thought if they like came up and like hugged me, I was going to get burned after the message, right? And I was, I was willing to go do anything, pray anything, to not either one, go to hell, or hear from that person again. The gospel salvation is not about scaring somebody over hell. It's not about just making them feel good about heaven. The gospel is about just being saved. Because when we're saved, yes, eternal life is, is glory, heaven, new earth. But eternal life is also next Friday. So that's why we share the gospel. That's why we tell people who Jesus is. So I don't want to scare you. I don't want you just to hope just so much for a good eternity that you just say yes to Jesus because of that, even though that is the way. I want you to know that eternity wasn't even possible. Eternal life's not even possible the way we're born. Isn't that messed up? Right before you even could figure out your own game plan? Just because you were born, you did wrong stuff. But God loved you so much, He loves me so much, that He didn't want to let it rest at that. And He didn't send somebody to take cover for Him. He sent Himself in Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, to live this life that aggravates you and me so much, makes us so frustrated, to deal with it all perfectly, so that when His time of death came, he had no wrong to pay for so he could pay for ours. The Bible says that if we believe that, not believe it like, man, that makes me feel better, somebody loves me. I mean, believe it like, God, if this is your great plan, then you must have a plan not just for eternity but for my life. So, so my decisions, my will, my trust, my belief is in you. So I will, I will take my life and put it right in front of your word, your truth, and I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna work to live my life like you. I believe in this. This is the relationship that I need. This is the eternity that I want. And, and in our hearts, we don't just believe, but we confess it. We say it as truth. And we, we say it to God. We say it to other people. See, see, many of us, maybe you grew up like me, and you just, you just never knew to not believe in Jesus. So, so you're fuzzy on, well, when did I start believing in Jesus? But, but we can all come to the place to where we can say, and we can ask ourselves a question, is Jesus Lord of my life? Like, have I committed that? Do I, do I, do I live that? Not, not do you get it right all the time, but, but is that the call of your heart as you live? And I do want to do this. I, I'm not real polished in how I do things. I get it. Um, for, for you that are new, uh, I'm sorry. For you that were here and voted when you hired me, you eh, should have known better. Um, but, but here's kind of what we're going to do. Um, at the end of this service, um, I, I want you to know Jesus. And it's and sure, as sure as eternity is, living with him now is just as sure. And having him with you is just as sure. And I don't just love you because I get paid to love you, Some of y'all I've known for a long time. And I want you to know Jesus. And I believe that most of you do. But I don't want to take a chance, if I know you or I don't, that you don't. So here's what we're going to do. Okay? Um, I'm going to ask at the end of the service, um, Wendy, um, Stephen, if you could go back in there as well. Um, Mike and Shannon, would you all mind going back in that room again? Um, And then... um, uh, Logan and Aubrey, I see y'all right there. If y'all will go in there, um, we got some people kind of different ages, different walks of life, um, that I trust can 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 tell you how you can know Jesus. Um, I don't want you to raise a hand or pray a prayer because I, I just want you to be sure. If you want to talk to somebody about it, I know it's kind of not real smooth, or real emotional. But 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 here's the deal. Um, a walk from this room, just out those two doors, and into a room on the left, is it seems intimidating, and sometimes being a grown-up is enough to keep us from not doing something like that. But don't let that be an obstacle from you knowing Jesus. Um, the distance that God sent himself from heaven to earth was great, and in perspective, really, the walk to the cross was, was pretty short. So this walk will be short compared to the eternal life relationship that you'll have. Um, if nobody moves, my, my hope, my prayer is, is that you know Jesus and you know that you know Jesus. But if you're not real clear, um, don't let that linger. Okay, don't let that linger. Um, so as I pray, um, they'll go in there. Uh, we're going to end our service a little bit differently. Um, we're going to um, have our last song. We're gonna take up our offering at that time, um, and then for just a couple of minutes, if you're here normally um, I do need to update you on a couple things, so I'd like for you to stay a, a few minutes. I know it's a, it's just a couple minutes after twelve, and I I really promise you I've been trying to be better about time um, because I love to preach and I love when everybody um, has to listen to me. Um, <laughs> because I you know sometimes you ever you ever go home and like nobody listens to me here. Well you know I'm saying Wendy does but my kids don't. So um, <laughs> but but they. Um, but, but I want you to I want you to update you on a couple things um, that that love to, for you to be connected into. So if you would bow your heads, close your eyes. God, thank you so much um, for for your love and for your grace, uh, Lord. As we as we end this service, Lord, we're not ending anything, God. We're just we're we're, we're transitioning from moment to moment, moments that you have reign over. Um, so God, as we are here this morning, we realize that because we've prayed and we have invited you here, invited you in here, and we're believers in Jesus, uh, Lord, your presence is here. Uh, so we want to honor you with what we do. Uh, we want to give you glory. Uh, we want to say thank you, God. I pray for boldness for those who aren't sure where they stand with Christ. Whether they just know that they're not saved, or they don't, they or, or they just they they don't know. They just they've lived with doubt. They've asked you into their heart a million times. They don't know if any of them stuck. Um, Lord, I pray that that now they will. They will find peace in their relationship with you. And I pray that they'll have the boldness and the courage to walk in there and and to talk to someone that loves them and that can share with them out of God's word what you can do. Uh, Lord, as we sing here now, let our hearts be lifted. God, I pray that just our minds have been opened to the reality, not just of life here with you, God, but, but life in eternity with you. Lord, it's all these things we pray in Jesus' name.